Welcome to the Real Python Podcast. This is episode 159. Have you thought about getting more involved in the Python community? Are you interested in volunteering for an event or becoming an organizer? This week on the show, we speak with organizers from this year's PyCascades conference about making connections, learning new skills, and rationing your time. We have three guests to discuss working on PyCascades 2023 and how they got involved in volunteering. Conference chair Ben Barry, a site reliability engineer based in Seattle, is currently working on a private platform as a service. Diversity chair Madison Swain Bowden is a senior data engineer out of Seattle, currently working at Automatic on the Openverse team. And sponsorship chair Michael Vanderkamp is a back-end engineer at Coffee Meets Bagel. We discuss finding other volunteers, maintaining motivation, and connecting with sponsors. Our guests also share their stories of overcoming challenges, finding their community, and what they found fulfilling about volunteering. This episode is brought to you by Proxify. Proxify offers developers career growth opportunities with top companies in the U.S. and Europe. Join Proxify. Visit career.proxify.io. All right, let's get started. The Real Python Podcast is a weekly conversation about using Python in the real world. My name is Christopher Bailey, your host. Each week, we feature interviews with experts in the community and discussions about the topics, articles, and courses found at realpython.com. After the podcast, join us and learn real-world Python skills with a community of experts at realpython.com. Well, I want to welcome everybody to the Real Python Podcast. It was really fun Going to PyCascades this year, I was able to attend in person, thanks to uh, the generous support of my boss, <laughs> Dan Vader. And I'm excited to talk about kind of going beyond not only what happened at the conference this year with all of you, but also talk about organizing and volunteering and being involved in a Python community in general. So maybe we'll go by one by one and just kind of let you introduce yourselves a little bit. I'll start with Ben. Ben Barry, you were conference chair this year for PyCascades. How did the conference go for you? Uh, the conference went great. As you might imagine, being chair is a lot of work. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think I think all of the organizers were, were pretty tired by the end of it, but uh, all the feedback we've heard is in its own. Super rewarding. It's a lot of fun seeing people in person again. Yeah. yeah. A lot of fun. Was that your first conference in a while, in-person conference? Yeah, this is my first in-person conference since PyCon Cleveland in 2019. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How did you get involved with PyCascades? I spoke at PyCascades also in 2019. Okay. That year, I dragged Madison to come to PyCascades. She and I worked together at the time, and I wanted a friend there while I was speaking. <laughs> that sounds good. Not that I didn't already have friends in the Python community, but... It's good to have a friendly face in the audience when you're speaking. Yeah, exactly. And then last year for PyCascades 2022, Madison was actually chairing and asked me if I wanted to be a volunteer chair. And so I did that. Learned a lot. Had a lot of fun with all the other organizers. Again, it was, it was a, a lot of work, especially day of. But from there, you know, got into to being co-chair this year. Oh, awesome. So maybe since you've been mentioned, Madison, you were diversity chair this year, which is probably a new role compared to what you were doing as an organizer the previous year. What were the types of things that you were involved with doing this year? Yeah, um, thanks for asking. I have been involved with PyCascades since, I think, 2021. Okay. And so I was diversity chair in 2021 and then co-chair in 2022 and then back to diversity chair slash uh, shadow assistant uh, co-chair when, when, when <laughs> sure. possible for, for this last year's conference. And so for the diversity chair role, again, that was the one that I stepped into initially. And that role is sort of one of the more unique roles that I've seen in conference spaces or just in different conference spaces, because this role was entirely centered on ensuring that 
the PyCascades conference was one that was accessible and inclusive to all of its attendees. Yeah. And so a lot of that work is, is you know, making sure that your standard, we'll say like development accessibility in terms of the website and whatnot, but then also thinking about, okay, we might have people who a part of that was our COVID policy, you know, and making sure that our COVID policy was accessible to everyone who wanted to attend, regardless of um, immunity status. And then thinking, you know, the types of people who are going to be attending conferences who might not um, typically be able to because of the the services that the conference has to offer. So keeping all of that in mind as we plan. And then probably the largest role day of is running the Code of Conduct Committee, which is just there to ensure that the conference the conference remains a safe place for for everyone and that and that folks are uh, respecting and, and following our code of conduct while uh, engaging with the conference. Yeah, that's great. I definitely want to talk more about the way that PyCascades has been building the organization from within and you have lots of help from previous uh, organizers. I think that's really cool. Michael, what's your role at PyCascades? I was the sponsorship chair this year. I got involved a coworker Russell Duhon uh, reached out to me and okay. they were connected with Ben and they asked if I would be interested in getting involved. And I said, sure. And that's pretty much the whole story. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a very interesting role in uh, kind of trying in the year that we're kind of going into it. I would imagine sponsorships have been a difficult area with kind of the way the technology in this sort of field has pulled back. Were those some of the challenges that you faced this year? I Definitely, definitely. We got a lot of cold shoulders, a lot of just no responses, a lot of sorry, we can't this year. And to be fair, we also even got off to a slow start because I said, yes, I would join and uh, pretty much immediately got COVID and was out for three weeks. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That puts a kink into everything, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that meant that um, we we got some companies saying, "Sorry, we, you know, we we just finished wrapping up our our sponsorship plans for the next year, and so just added to the difficulties there." Okay, we might talk a little bit about that with other organizing. Uh, I can imagine that finding sponsors is kind of like a, a very unique sort of skill set compared to maybe a lot of the other parts of organizing but I definitely want to come back to it. I don't know if I'm necessarily uh, the, the the best at it either. This is my first time doing something <laughs> like this. I certainly learned a lot, I think. But yeah. It certainly requires a different skill set than um, being, well, let's say, a back-end engineer, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's very interesting that way. So I kind of thought about organizing our conversation into sort of layers of volunteering and organizing and i thought maybe we could kind of maybe go small initially and then kind of go back to the larger sort of conference level type of thing that's much more public and and is you know more like a even regional or as large as something like pycon us which it sounds like did anybody uh, attend pycon us this year also yeah i was there okay ben you, you came okay uh, yeah i was there it was it was fun but it was a lot uh, to do both back to back. And I'm yeah, sure you experienced that on top of being an organizer and then going to. So, yeah, I think it's kind of like a, there's like conference seasons, uh, <laughs> sort of a spring conference season. And then I think there's a fall conference season. Yeah, we had at uh, PyCon, there was uh, an open space of conference organizers. Oh, okay. And it was my first time meeting a lot of the other organizer organizers of other conferences. And a lot of them referred to their timing as being based around PyCon, whether it was a little before <laughs> or a little after or like six months shifted. But a lot of them kind of base it around the dates of PyCon for, you know, whatever strategy they're they're employing there, whether they want to be as far away. So they aren't, okay, you know, trying to consume the same ox- oxygen or whether they're yeah. trying to be really close to try and build some of the same momentum. Yeah, okay. So there's, the factors could be just trying to, coast a little bit with some of the momentum of a, another organization and looking at time off or people that are submitting talks potentially could be available at the same time. Um, were there other factors that they talked about during the open space? Those were the big ones that I heard was, yeah, just 
I think one of the things, one of the reasons, I don't know if this is originally one of the reasons we did this, but with one of the the places we benefit with Pi Cascades of having having it be just before PyCon is a lot of people will try out their talks yeah. uh, at Pi Cascades before going to PyCon. I think that's both valuable to the speakers and the attendees. You get like the, the secret inside track. For instance, uh, Brett Cannon's talk on syntactic sugar yeah. was previewed at Pi Cascades. And then we you know, ran again at, at PyCon. So that's one of the, the places we leverage it. Yeah, I talked to him in between both of them. And he's like, okay, I got a bunch of feedback and I'm changing the the number <laughs> of items and like uh, how to kind of organize it. So that, that is kind of a neat way to kind of develop a talk, I guess. Nice. So I thought, again, kind of we could go small initially. How did you get involved in volunteering and the Python community generally? Like maybe we could talk about individually different starting points, like if it was maybe a user group or some other kind of circumstances, and how did you find that community? Michael, would you want to start? Sure, yeah. I, this was my introduction to the community. Okay, <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I, I think I dove into the deep end. Um, yeah, sounds like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I explained to Ben right in the first meeting, you know, I... I haven't even been to one of these conferences before, or really hardly any conferences at all. And so I'm not really sure what uh, what to do. But, you know, I have to say, I didn't know that. And I wouldn't have been <laughs> able to tell either. <laughs> Michael, you did a fantastic job. Yeah, <laughs> you did an amazing job. <laughs> Sounds like from everybody here uh, just kind of watching it. That's great. Yeah, you held it well. <laughs> Yeah, so this this was my introduction. I've been meaning to, you know, I just moved to to the West Coast the last summer, and I was meaning to get involved with the community out here, and this just this came up, and this was this was my introduction. Okay, does it excite you about potentially joining other communities? Are you in Vancouver also? Vancouver Island. So I'm on. Vic- I'm in Victoria. Victoria. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is there any kind of local communities that you could join there? Um, I still have to find them. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Maybe we'll get, get you some advice here. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great. Madison, how, how did you get started in sort of finding your Python community? Yeah, Ben already mentioned it, actually. Him wrangling me to come to that first Pi Cascades in 2018 okay. was a, a really pivotal and, and formative experience um, for me. I actually talked about it on the Pi Cascades stage this last year because of, of what a formative experience that was, just being connected to a community that was using the same tooling that I was using in a job where I was fairly isolated in the work that I was doing. And so that allowed me to build up some networking and like connect with some other people. And then seeing just the level of diversity that was present already in the PyCascades community was really important for just sort of my own acceptance of, of uh, you know, aspects of myself. And so it was seeing... Uh, being there in 2018, seeing those talks, seeing the great talk that Ben gave, I actually just referenced that talk in a postmortem that my team did <laughs> recently. Um, so, you know, still still generating views, you know, years after. But being there and 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 seeing that diversity was was a really pivotal piece for me. And so then, okay. I in 2019, I went. And 2019 was the first year that I oh, was it 20? No, it was 2020. I didn't go to 2019, but I, or maybe it was, it was, sorry. <laughs> I think, Ben, did you, did you speak in 2019? It must've been yeah. 2019. Okay. That I kept thinking it was 2018. Forgive me. So 20, 20, that was 2019, 2020. I had just come out as a trans woman uh, by the time that Pi Cascades 2020 came out. And so I knew that there was a space for me as a, as a freshly cracked egg, a newly out trans woman in the Pi Cascades space. And so Pi Cascades was one of the biggest events that I had attended after coming out, but I knew that it was going to be good because of how the community was. And I was able to uh, get in touch with one of the organizers there and just say, thank you for creating this space and making it so that I didn't have any fear in, you know, coming to this event after, after having come out. And it was that organizer that then, you know, connected with me 
later that year and said, hey, we need someone for diversity chair for 2021. Is this something that interests you? Would you like to participate? And from from that, my my perception was like, well, yeah, I want to get involved in this. Like this was such a, this was such a, a amazing experience for me that yeah. I would love to be able to play a part in in sort of perpetuating that for other folks. And so that was it. It was just it was just getting to know the organizer and saying thank you. Yeah. And that left an impression on her and yeah, she she was the one to reach out to me. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Are you involved in any other uh, organizations that are like kind of on a smaller scale? Um, I've been involved with Ben a little bit in Puppy. Um, less so Puppy is the Puget Sound Python, pu- sorry, programming. Um, I'm going to defer to Ben on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, an interesting I, I, uh, use of letters to, to make up the word Puppy. <laughs> I believe it sound, stands for Puget Sound Programmers of Python. Yes, that's it. Okay, okay. that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, very clever. Uh, uh, yeah, acronym there. But um, yeah, I was sort of nominally involved in in Puppy in in twenty the 2019-2020 space. Okay. But Pi Cascades has has consumed more of my time, and so I've been less involved with that space. Yeah, it sounds like you've been involved in multiple roles at Pi Cascades. That's that's great. Yeah, just through you know through the community that I've been in touch with uh, with Pi Cascades, I've gotten connected to the the Pi Ladies groups in Seattle. And uh, I was able to speak for women who code as well. And so there's there's a lot of, particularly in the uh, sort of div- uh, minority in tech space, there's a lot of overlap when it comes to these various groups, which means that, you know, on a positive end, you're seeing a lot of familiar faces, which is great. Yeah. When I spoke with uh, Jolene and... Jitna. Jitna, yeah. Uh, we... We discussed Pi Ladies quite a bit, and I think I, Eliza found many of those individuals either by sort of harvesting and finding other people like, hey, come join us and, and be, become part of Pi Cascades, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I thought that was an interesting kind of a cross-pollination that's happening there between the different organizations. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. nice. So Ben, uh, I, we've already mentioned there, I guess, that you, you are involved with Puppy. How did you get in, started with that? I'm actually not officially a puppy volunteer. I'm just someone okay. who is always at all of the puppy things. And so <laughs> okay. when, yeah, yeah. You sometimes them. when things need to be done, I'm a friendly face who will do them. Okay. Uh, but I'm not like officially in their organizing group. I actually don't remember for sure how I got involved with them. I, I think I heard about them at PyCon 2017 uh, in okay. Portland, which was the first PyCon I attended. I think that's where I heard about them, but I also know I have a family member who's who also is a software developer in the area, uh, and I, I it might have been him who referred me to to Puppy. I'm not sure. Okay, how's your experience been as far as uh, that organization goes, and and what are the types of things that that you've attended? Puppy is still trying to to come back uh, from you know everything being closed down. Yeah, COVID's been hard on a lot of uh, organizations. Mm-hmm. I have yeah. to say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of interest in people you know doing things in person again. They're having a, a hard time finding spaces to do them. Is okay. Prior to pandemic, everything or every month they would have a, a long talk format meeting. And so that was usually an hour or two, and they'd have multiple speakers and sometimes lightning talks once a month. And it was usually hosted at a, a local uh, office building. You know, so, some office would donate their space for the month. Then they also had a bunch of sort of special in- interest groups. At one point, we had reverse engineered uh, a an acronym that for special interest groups that made it the dogs, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but yes, yeah, so there was one about you preparing for interviews. There's one for advanced data science uh, topics. And there's also just their, their programming night, which is still going on in Seattle, um, I think almost every week or almost every other week. And that one has been able to, to float mostly across the libraries lately. That's just kind of a casual get together, hack on whatever you're hacking on and talk to other people about it. So they've used Zoom in between those times when they could have a venue? I, I'm i actually not sure. Uh, I never okay. saw Zoom events, but I also at some point told Meetup to stop ever emailing me about anything. <laughs> so, so I stopped <laughs> got, a little, got a little too intense for a while, yeah. So yeah. I, I don't 
think there were ever, you know, the, the long format meetings on Zoom, but I, I think there's, they also run a public Slack that's really active. Okay. If you ever want to hunt me down, that's a good place to hunt me down because I'm always looking at it. Okay. Checking it out. Yeah. Yeah. As a developer, how often do you feel the need to impact this world? Proxify offers opportunities with leading companies across a range of industries. With Proxify, you can expand your skill set, explore new industries, and build a strong background for your future growth. Proxify cares about giving developers a supportive environment and opportunities to enjoy the best of both worlds, a successful career, and a fulfilling personal life. Be more than just a developer. Enjoy the best of both worlds, a successful career, and the ultimate work-life balance. Join Proxify. Visit career.proxify.io. That's C-A-R-E-E-R dot P-R-O-X-I-F-Y dot I-O. Here in Colorado, I, I mentioned before on the show that I've joined a local meetup called Pi Springs. They had the same kind of thing where it's like, okay, we were meeting in a co-working space that was sort of, I don't know, sort of gifted, if you will, from an, an organizer, a gentleman who worked actually for Heroku. So it was nice meeting in person. And it was common that we would do types of events where, all right, who's just starting with Python who literally needs to get it set up on your machine? And I was the person waving my hand of like, I can help you <laughs> get it installed and get it set up. Um, I really enjoy that part of the teaching and, and helping people kind of get going. I have a lot of background in you know creating tutorials and that sort of stuff on uh, Real Python for that. Uh, then they would do you know sometimes like lightning talks, kind of like short talks about you know different packages or other things and share projects. And then when everything sort of shut down, they did try to do Zoom ones, and I attended a couple of those, which was very interesting. And then from there, I think it's kind of a split thing. They do every two weeks. And so once a month, it's been in person. Uh, they started to restart that. And then they've been doing, I think, once a month also on Zoom. But I attend when I can, which has not been super frequent. <laughs> you know, but that's hard. It's hard to find the time to, to mm-hmm. you know, get involved in kind of trying to find that community outside of your work. I've had this conversation with, Pablo Glenda Sagado about how this very large organization of Bloomberg had sort of internal sort of groupings and teams where they were meeting up and having like literally like a Python group and helping to, it felt to me almost like a, you know, like a meetup of sorts inside of their organization. Have any of you had that sort of experience with the, the work that you do or at your place of business that you work at? Not at my current work. Okay. My previous employer, TTS, the Technology Transformation Services, had sort of had, had what they called guilds, which were sort of sort of the same thing. Yeah, that's their term. Yeah, and yeah, so there there was like a I think a DevOps guild and a security guild, and, and those were the same kind of very casual. Run, it was usually run kind of coffee op style for for you know just talking about whatever. You know, I haven't heard that term. You said coffee ops. Yeah, I lied. It's not coffee ops. Coffee ops is the meetup that uses this. Lean coffee is the term I was looking for. Okay. Uh, Lean coffee style, which the the coffee ops meetup group happens to use, which is a way of of sort of self-organizing around topics to talk about. Okay. So you'll, in person, you usually do it with sticky notes. So at the start of the meeting, there's just piles of sticky notes and Sharpies around and everyone writes down what they want to talk about. Okay. On a, on a sticky note. And then you put all the sticky notes on a wall and then you kind of group them. So if there are some very similar topics, they're all together. And then everyone votes just by putting a dot on the sticky note that they oh, want. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and whatever topic gets the most votes you talk about. And usually you set a timer for three to five minutes. You talk for that three to five minutes and it's usually people are considered enough that it's just kind of whoever takes the floor has the floor. Okay, and then at the end of the the three to five minutes, you vote on whether you want to keep talking. So that's usually done by a thumbs up <laughs> or a thumbs down, and it's the speed dating of topics. <laughs> yeah, that's great. If the majority still still wants to talk about it, you you put another minute or two on the timer, and then if, if they don't, then you move on to the next highest voted, and just kind of do that through the length of your time. 
Nice. Anybody else have that experience of of like guilds or other things in organizations? Not guilds. Um, we would have these things. Well, it wouldn't be organized around any particular group. It would just be every couple of weeks. Let's somebody gives a presentation at an engineering meeting about something they've been working on. Okay. Or the previous company, we would do these. Uh, we'd call it lunch and learn, where somebody had something they want to show other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the closest thing I can think of from where I've worked. Yeah, I've had that experience. Uh, I, I worked at a bank in Hawaii when I was living there, and they would try to do that. They'd do like a lunch and learn kind of thing. And that, I, I did a couple of presentations at that. That was probably the last time <laughs> I experienced that. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's since it's interesting because like. Real Python doesn't have something like this, <laughs> and I think about I thinking about it to myself like that would be kind of interesting, you know, because we're constantly like, you know, we're like a learning platform, but we don't have like an internal mm. sort of sharing kind of thing that's similar. Um, we do have kind of organizational things where we do something completely different, you know, <laughs> like mm. we'll you know do like a team game kind of thing or something like that as an organizational thing. But but I think about the learning thing that would be interesting kind of presentation thing. So no. Um, prompting myself to think about ways we could bring that up <laughs> internally <laughs> if you're listening team members <laughs> i have uh yeah i have never worked at a at an org that it made sense to have groups like that oh okay and or or they just they just didn't exist right the history of the org or whatnot was it a size thing like yeah, the I think number of employees size and team isolation probably were the were the two okay so so the the first a place where where Ben and I worked together, I was the only data one of, one of the only data engineers um, at at the the company um, at the research institute, and that's part of why going to Pi Cascades was such a pivotal moment because I was using this tool called Apache Airflow, which is is much more prevalent now. Yeah, um, but we were implementing it at our research institute, and I was kind of the only one working on it. Um, and I <laughs> yeah. didn't, you know, we were using it in a very specific way that wasn't really the typical use case. And so I think per Ben's encouragement, I like organized a little Airflow uh, mini meetup at PyCascades. And I just messaged out in nice. Slack like, hey, if you use Airflow, I want to talk to you. I want to get to know you. <laughs> um, and so we just had this very impromptu meeting at that conference where I met a bunch of people who were using Airflow at their own institutions and who talked about it and who, you know, shared their experience. And ultimately was one of those people who helped recommend me for the job that I had after that, uh, which was which was working as a full-time data engineer explicitly. Oh, nice. Uh, with, with a team of data engineers. And so, yeah, I... I uh, didn't have that at work, but that's that's part of why those other communities were so crucial for, for me on the side was because that that was what gave me the exposure that I needed that I wasn't getting uh, at work. Yeah, that makes sense to me that that that's one of the reasons that I, I've tried to talk about this topic a handful of times on the show that I come from a completely different world. You could probably tell by my background, if those of you who are on video, I, I do a lot of music stuff. And so almost every single job that I've ever had was referral in connections and and it just that's how many many industries are but i think sometimes in uh, the programming environments people don't try <laughs> to break the walls out sometimes and meet other people and get involved in the community but that very often is how you're going to make those connections and build relationships that really expand any kind of horizons that you might have and you know, I've always been kind of in between introvert and extrovert. I have those times. I, I met um, another organizer for High Cascades, uh, Nina Zakaranico, and I think her term was expovert, um, where she would be involved in some like conferences, and I can be like to a certain point be an extrovert during these moments when I need to be, and it's so important, you know, like to kind of think about where are you going to go from here and and in so many industries and it's i mean that's what happened even when i started to connect with people when i got into programming and it's like okay how do you make this next connection and mm -hmm, how, how do you talk mm -hmm. to the next person so has that been your experience yeah there's sort of this, I mean, madison it definitely sounds true yeah, yeah there's sort of this lie that that i i can't say everyone but certainly i was told in college of 
the the world is a wonderful meritocracy and all you have to do is be good at something <laughs> and then all awesome. of the opportunities will be open to you. All right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it, it's still kind of frustrating to 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 recognize that that's not the case. Um, and yeah, it really, yeah. it really, those networking opportunities are 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 so important. Like like I um I say that because I'm I'm frustrated with how necessary networking is. Yeah. As a, as a means for career advancement, particularly because there's a lot of folks, uh, particularly minority and tech folks, for whom networking is is not the easiest thing to do. Yeah, that's very hard. But yeah. Yeah, but but that's sort of the advantage of having like a wide array of different kinds of events and different ways to participate is that your engagement with networking can look very different at, at different kinds of events. We have we have one we have one member of our community who I met at a different conference actually again recently who would uh, pitch the idea I this is this is trademarked. This this is if you hear this on the <laughs> podcast you can't use this. No, I'm just kidding. Please use it. Pitch the idea for <laughs> a a conference at a roller rink where everybody is okay. everybody's uh roller skating around and listening to talks on a conference and uh we met at pie cascades and they pitched this idea to me and we chit-chatted about it and then i met up with them again at a different conference pi data seattle actually um which was just a couple weeks ago and i had been ruminating on that and i thought you know what if we made it like a silent disco right everyone has headphones and is roller skating around <laughs> but I just I, I I love that thought, right? Of you know what what do we do to like just really mix up the space because those connections are so so crucial and building those connections are crucial. Yeah, yeah. I think events like that are kind of interesting. Like I uh, I have a hard time sitting for a exactly. long time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness! There's a reason that being an organizer at a conference is great because you have an excuse to be running yeah. around the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs> I was enjoying the quiet room uh, at Five Cascades because the seats were so much more comfy. <laughs> it was like a movie theater kind of seat. I was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> so yeah, I would change it up and, and try to move around. But yeah, that's I, I, I could see how that would be interesting, you know, trying to change it up and um, almost like the idea of like lightning talks in like these different spaces would be very interesting. That sounds fun. One of the things I I wonder about, and when you got deeper into organizing for the next PyCascades and you were going to be a conference chair, and this applies, I guess, to Ben and Madison, what were things that were now on your plate that made it kind of different? Were you involved in finding volunteers and um, what were some of the additional things that kind of landed on your plate? I think the the big hard part is just like the, the vision Okay. Cascades, we, we have a lot of momentum on it. And that's thanks to a lot of great organizers in the past, like what it should look like. But just knowing the next thing that needs to be worked on, uh, in the like kind of the next thing to do is is really hard. So like remembering that you need to have your know, policies in place or remembering, you know, that you need to do coffee service or you know, things like that. Or like Guido's example from his was his his retrospective of like knowing not to order just the same sandwiches for every day of a conference because uh, people <laughs> don't like eating the same sandwich over and over again. Sure, just the the sort of self direction there of of figuring out the next thing to do and doing it. Okay, especially on a long horizon. Yeah, is is I think the the hardest part, and also finding people. You know, I, yeah, I was thinking about the volunteering yeah. part. is is It's got to be difficult to try to find w- willing individuals that you can uh, entrust this vision to. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And so far, I mean, I I have had a, a very high level of trust in, in all of our volunteers and organizers, and that has never bitten me. And so I intend to keep being very trusting of, of all of our organizers and volunteers. But even even with that that high level of trust, just knowing who to reach out to, to, to find more people. Um, I think that's okay. been especially hard post COVID because as like we were talking about before, puppy hasn't really started spinning up lately. And yeah, that was one of our big sources of volunteers for Pi Cascades in the past. Mm. And people have changed jobs. That was also a challenge when we were looking for sponsors. A lot of our contacts during COVID changed jobs. And so now we have, uh, you know, we had the person who was, 
the person we reach out to at XYZ company who'd been there for, you know, five years or whatever. And so they could really pull some strings to get sponsorships through. Is there a person who was like organizing your overall like contact for all the previous Pi Cascades? I wonder about that, like keeping like a contact management system going. We did, uh, we do have a bunch of information. Yeah. And, and we have a big spreadsheet in Notion that oh. tries to keep track of all the companies that we've reached out to and who we've spoken to. Okay. But yeah, it's tricky though. <laughs> it sounds yeah, like it's yeah. very tricky. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things you mentioned there is that you were able to kind of have this pool of people that you could reach out to. Were there other communities that then you sort of shifted to to try to find your pool of volunteers if you weren't be able to be able to find them through, say, something like Puppy? For volunteers, I think we actually for our like day of volunteers, yeah, we got a lot of folks who just signed up in, in response to our emails. We had a just a Google form for intake, and we tweeted and posted on Mastodon and posted on LinkedIn and I think on our Instagram too. And in our emails, you know, just through all those various places, we we ended up with enough people. But finding, you know, our, our core organizers is is very hard uh, or is, is the harder part because it's, you know, asking for a recurring commitment. Yeah, it's a bigger investment of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And for that, this year, we largely leveraged... Eliza's contacts. Uh, Eliza seems to know everyone in Vancouver. (laughs) So (laughs) she was able to find us a a pretty hearty organization core. That's good. We we still didn't fill all of the roles Mm -hmm. that we've had in previous years. Uh, I think we filled about half of the roles that we've had in previous years. You know, again, kind of because of COVID and, and turnover. This year, we actually didn't have a single organizer who had ever organized for an in person conference before. Okay. Um, Lots so of new, there was a, a lot of learning there. You know, some yeah. of our organizers were here previous years for for our online iterations, but nobody had done an in person conference before. What were? I'm I'm guessing there's a lot of bigger challenges. Well, I mean, they're both unique. An online version that was the big conversation I had two years ago uh, with the organizers. I guess it would be 2021. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked to a group then and it was like, okay, we're shifting to virtual (laughs) and how are we going to do that and talk about software platform and all the kind of challenges there. But I I can imagine shifting back and then the other, on top of that, of keeping the virtual going, now you're kind of running two platforms at the same time, you know, in person. And so that, that seems challenging too. What would be your pitch to a volunteer to say, hey, this is what you would get out of doing this. You know, this is like some of the neat things that you would get out of volunteering for an event like that. Yeah. I volunteered for PyCon this year in the... Okay. Uh, doing registration. And there was this, this this wonderful way that my brain was broken afterwards where every single person <laughs> at the conference looked familiar and I couldn't remember if it was because I had met them in a previous year or because I had met them 10 minutes ago going through registration, <laughs> which is to say, yeah. it's a great way to meet people. It's it's awesome. One of the great things I think about Pi Cascades is that it's small enough that it feels like you know every single person there by the end of the conference. But by volunteering, you get to kind of kickstart that and you know make a personal connection with just about everyone. Yeah. Instant icebreaker. Yeah. I'm here to help you get you know, checked in or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you work registration, you're almost guaranteed to meet Guido. Uh, so if, if that's something you want to want to make <laughs> sure bonus. you check yeah. off your bucket list at, at Pie Cascades next year, yeah. you know, you can work, work uh, the registration desk. Yeah. I think consistently what I've found is being a volunteer at events has been a ticket to meeting some of the coolest people in the the different spaces that I've been in. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, just to, to echo what, what Ben said, um, it is a fantastic way to, to just meet people, right. As out of, out of a, a sort of shared necessity of, of bringing about this, this event. For this, this touches to a point that I had mentioned earlier, but particularly for for folks who are in you know minority groups within the tech space, there's also a sense of being able to help build the spaces that are welcoming, right? And and build the spaces yeah. that are inclusive. And I know for for me that was a 
that was a really huge draw of like, this was such a foundational uh, experience for me. You know, like it was, it was the first time that I had ever seen a trans woman on stage at a tech event. Like that was, that was, you know, life-changing for me. And so being able to perpetuate that and foster that was, was really powerful experience for me. And so that's certainly another draw of, you know, um, we had, we had a lot of minority people on our organizing body and in our volunteering group. And so uh, it's, it's sort of a, a wonderful way to connect there. And this sort of touches back to, to what you were mentioning before about finding folks. I had said that there, you know, you see a lot of familiar faces in these, these minority groups, but the, the flip side of that is almost all of us are saturated <laughs> because we're all involved in all of these little spaces. And so there's definitely, definitely space to get involved in, in, these, in these different spaces. Yeah. Yeah. What was your experience with volunteering, Michael? I, maybe this is just me, but when I, attending something like a conference like this, I have this sense of what do I do with myself if I'm just like new <laughs> to the community? Uh, sure. What, I've, I have that all the time. I'm walking around. And... <laughs> I got to look like I've got an important text coming through just so I look like I'm doing <laughs> something. so relatable. <laughs> oh my right. goodness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Of course, meeting everyone it's and and having something to do as well with myself at the same time as getting to meet everyone and feeling like I'm actually contributing something useful yeah. to the community. I'm here. I have a job. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What were things that you felt like if you were going to sell this to someone else to, hey, I think you should volunteer. Uh, this is what you would get out of it. Do you have any other things you would add? I think for me, mostly, it is still just the same as what Ben and Madison were saying, that it's meeting the community and getting involved. And then, yeah, just that sense that you're, the feeling of like you're contributing to something good. Yeah. It's a really wholesome feeling. I'll say too, yeah, just as one other pitch, like there there are skills that you will learn by way of, you know, volunteering, by way of being part of this, that you will not find uh, in your day-to-day job, right? Like drafting, well, let's yeah, say uh, like drafting marketing emails for the conference and like crafting social media tweets. Those are all things that I've done and I would not have had the opportunity to do that as part of my my sort of day-to-day activities. So it's really this this other flip side of exposure to all these different pieces of of event planning, like budgeting, doing the, like I said, the marketing, the campaign, the assets, right? Designing swag, you know, um, all of these like really fun and interesting (laughs) things that are so, for for many of us, I should say, are are so different from what our day-to-day job looks like. I learned a ton about editing SVGs this time. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, editing SVG is that for uh, for swag and stuff? Uh, yeah, for for updating our logos. We we had a, okay. an amazing designer, I think, last year, design a whole set of logos for us, and then just going in and tweaking them to make them <laughs> right for 2023. Yeah, I got a lot of practice about that, and then at PyCon this year, I was editing to make the logo for 2024. Like as I'm sitting there, or as I was sitting at dinner, so I could send off my my one slide to the presenter or to the the lightning talks to talk about uh Pi Cascades 2024. Okay. Nice. I definitely would not have been able to figure that out in, you know, in in 10 minutes over dinner this time last year. <laughs> Michael, what were you going to say? Oh, I I definitely agree with this about having uh, things that are you would not normally do in your day-to-day job. I this experience for me was like what I was doing, the skill set involved com- almost completely disjoint from from my job and involved learning a lot of stuff and getting familiar even with just emails yeah it sounds like something so simple but then when you start having to write a lot of emails to a lot of different people outside of your organization people that you haven't met before it's a whole new world it's a whole new skill set and i think i learned a lot yeah figure out what's effective (laughs) definitely fast i would imagine (laughs) Yeah. Or and even just like how to use email <laughs> tools effectively and how to, you know. Yeah. Hey, well, how do I add a signature? I've never <laughs> actually had to do that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is so much more advanced than Slack. <laughs> Requires <laughs> other things, yeah. I mean, this week, I want to shine a spotlight on another real Python video course. 
It uses a real-world project to help you hone your skills with wrangling data using Python. It's titled Using Pandas to Make a Gradebook in Python. The course is based on a step-by-step -step real Python tutorial by Brian Weber. And in the course, instructor Cesar Aguilar takes you through how to load and merge data from multiple sources with pandas, how to filter and group data in pandas data frames, and then how to calculate and plot the grades. Along the way, you'll practice many of the skills you need to work effectively within pandas, like working with CSV files, aggregating values, and how to assemble it all into a real-world project. And like all the video courses on RealPython, the course is broken into easily consumable sections. Plus, you get additional resources and code examples for the techniques shown. All our course lessons have a transcript, including closed captions. Check out the video course. You can find a link in the show notes, or you can find it using the Enhanced Search tool on realpython.com. I kind of wanted to talk about the flip side of all of this uh, and kind of discuss how do you avoid overdoing it and burning yourself out in the process of doing this um, and potentially burning bridges in that process. And so I don't know if you had that experience or um, how you kind of, you know, avoided getting to that point. Anyone want to take that? I came really close to burning out on this one, I think. <laughs> Actually, there was a period where I was just like, I, I don't know if I'm the right person for this. I don't think I can be doing this. I don't think I'm contributing enough. I think we need somebody. I think you need, like, there's something that I'm missing is what I felt like. And Ben and Madison and the other organizers kind of pulled together and said, no, you're here. You're doing the, like, okay. it's fine. We're going to be okay. You're doing a good job. And that kept me in it. So it sounds like you reached out then. That was part of the, your your help with that was like yeah, saying, hey, yeah. uh, I'm I'm struggling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. And then the thing that kind of at that point where I was like, okay, I, it's not just me. I'm not just in isolation. There's a team here. Yeah. When I need help, I can just reach out. And it I can also like cut myself a bit of slack. Yeah, cool. As well. Like I don't have to be burning. I think Michael got thrown into the very hardest job because oh yeah we we were behind schedule on sourcing sponsors even before we asked Michael to be our sponsorship sponsorship chair and I I think most of the reaching out was happening like right as all of the terrifying recession news was starting and companies yeah, were doing yeah. layoffs so Michael was like emailing a, a one of our sponsors actually went through our contact who was doing our sponsorship actually got laid off uh. <laughs> during a during this whole process so we like had to start talking to a different company about like giving us a bunch of or a different person at the company about giving us money as they're you know trying to trying to cut headcount and, and you know be be more in the black yeah and so so Michael really kind of got thrown to the wolves and i i hope our, our pulling michael back was was more reassurance than strong arming no it was reassurance <laughs> <laughs> it was i i remember seeing the message that michael had sent of like i don't know that i'm like doing this i think that like another person's going to be necessary for this or something and i remember seeing that and thinking no wait michael you're doing such a great job and i need you to know that this is like everything else it's not you it's it's the world it's the 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 people we were like ne uh, knee deep in like an existing contract negotiation when michael came back as well and that was a whole that was the whole thing and so yeah definitely knowing that like there's there's folks to share the load with and and that okay. um yeah fully you you are capable you are capable um yeah yeah do you have any other advice uh ben to avoid burning out on it? I'll let you know when I figure it out. I know. If you find the secret, please tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because what I worry about is that you you get to a point where you've done too much. I have this personality where I'm obliged to help people and, and do sorts of things. And very often that turns around and people start to, you know, load even other additional stuff on top of you and you're like, okay, I can only take so much more <laughs> before I, I want to explode. And that's never the great solution, but that's end up, ends up what happens very often to 
people that have that personality, they're just like, I've taken on too much. So I kind of think about like ways that you can kind of recharge after these sort of events. And it sounds like, Ben, you took some time off. Uh, yeah, I, I took, I, kind of unofficially, just uh, have been deliberately doing less for the, the couple of weeks following PyCon US yeah. to try and, you know, breathe and have some time and, you know, starting to, to spin things back up in the last uh, week or so to, to start getting us ready again for, for next year. Yeah, cool. Madison, were there other techniques that you use? Yeah, the, the pandemic hit, interestingly, right after I was coming out of a phase of burnout. And so uh, it was it was sort of a necessary space for me to just sit and like r- relax and not be doing things. Yeah. And then that sort of gave me space to recover and then start getting back in or start getting into, you know, Pi Cascades and, and, and other organizing opportunities. Definitely learning to say no is something that I've uh, continue continue to to do battle with. <laughs> I will say that having the conference as a thing did allow me uh, in my mind to set that as a priority in the sense of like people would ask me to do something on the side and I would say, I am running this conference. <laughs> I cannot take on this extra responsibility because there is a conference that's happening yeah. <laughs> that I am helping with. And so, Ha- recognizing that 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 was you know an, an event that that needed to occur helped me prioritize. One thing I've done afterwards too, last year for Pi Cascades, it was it was quite a wild ride personally because I was releasing a side project. I was making some major contributions at work. We had Pi Cascades itself going on. I was closing on a house. Like there were so many things that were happening wow. in like January, February of last year. Uh, and so what I did afterwards was I wrote all of those things on note cards just to corporealize everything that had uh, that I had accomplished um, in the last you know month or two. Um, and then stuck that up on my fridge just so I could be reminded about it and use that because part of part of my own struggle is um because there's all this stuff that I want to do and all of these things that, that, you know, people that I'm engaged in, I find it hard to take time to relax because I, it's hard to justify that and say like, yeah. oh, well, you know, I have XYZ thing that I need to do to get ready for Pi Cascades. Like, why should I be relaxing right now? But part of that is recognizing, you know, the the accomplishments that have occurred. And, and for me, that was recognizing that and then using that as, yes, like I can take time. I like it's okay to take time to <laughs> relax and to take a step back. Yeah. It's like a large scale life Pomodoro timer. Just yes. like, hey, I did this for this amount of time. I'm now going to take a break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 What's something that you're excited about that's happening in the world of Python right now? It could be an event, a book, package, editor. Oh, that's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I'm still getting caught up. On, on Python. So I'm even still just excited, like on the latest releases of Python. So I'm even still excited about things like async IO. Yeah. Um, because sure. I was, for the longest time, I was working in, in Python too. And we didn't have these wonderful, brilliant <laughs> features like async IO and type hinting. So I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm still just excited about that and feeling like I'm getting caught up on all of that. Okay, cool. I tried structural pattern matching for the first time this last week. That was really exciting. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I come from the SQL world, and so mm-hmm. I was using lots of those kind of mm-hmm. case statement stuff, and I, I like it. <laughs> it feels familiar. <laughs> Madison, do you want to go next? What's something you're excited about in the world of Python? I. It seems like there are so many... I, I keep hearing how great Pydantic, FastAPI, SQL model, like how fantastic all of those things are. And everything that I interact with it is already ex- already exists in some framework, but there's one project that was written that I work with that was written in Go, that is like the perfect transition case for converting it to fast API. Ah, okay. And so that's something I'm excited. I'm really excited to to finally get my hands you know dirty with fast API and see what all the hullabaloo is about. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun. Nice. Ben, what's something you're excited about? Uh, well, like like Michael, I, I uh, am not on the bleeding edge of Python. Right <laughs> now. Uh, the the thing I'm working on at work right now is I actually just had to back 
I had to to downgrade it to Python 3.8. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely not uh, on the, the bleeding edge of the, the language features. I think what's most exciting for me that's coming up right now is all these events are happening in person again. Yeah. And I'm not just excited to see them again, but because of this long break, I think there's a lot of changing of the guard kind of stuff going yeah. on. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I, I think it's really exciting to see new people running the same events over again. So we get new ideas and, you know, new faces, new friends, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, great. Michael, what's something that you want to learn next? Again, this doesn't have to be about programming specifically. Well, I mean, I am trying to learn plenty in in programming and in the world of programming, not necessarily just in Python. I want to learn... That's fine, yeah. That can be fine too, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to learn more about cloud computing, Kubernetes, all of that, containers generally, and um, get more comfortable with that whole ecosystem and and what's going on in there. That's great. Madison, what what do you want to learn next? Rust. I want to learn Rust. I want an excuse to learn Rust. Yeah, I. some folks gave uh, talks about interactions with Rust at PyData that I was at a couple weeks ago. And I just, I keep hearing such good things about it and how exciting it is. And yeah, the interoperability with Python seems really cool. So yeah, Rust, it's got to be Rust. Okay. Ben? I I can relate to that. (laughs) At uh, PyCon US, I... Multiple times throughout the conference, I was in the, the the sponsor showcase and like had the Rust book from uh, from No Starch Press in my hand, like ready to buy it. And I was like, oh, if I buy it now, I'll have to carry it. Oh home no! The <laughs> it was like yeah, the yeah. one reason I didn't. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're uh, interested in maybe starting to dabble in it. <laughs> uh, but. Maybe, but my thing that I want to learn next, I've been getting into to film photography lately. Mm. Okay. It, I've been doing digital photography for a while, but I've been getting into to film lately. And I've actually been managing to use CircuitPython to do some stuff around that. Like I used my CircuitPython Express that I got at PyCon a few years ago to make a, a shutter timer. Yeah. So I, could, I could test shutter cool. speed. So I've been playing around more and more with with that. I've been excited to, to dig more into the, the world of sort of embedded. Yeah, I haven't talked about CircuitPython for a little while on the show, but I'm going to think dive pretty big into it this summer. I have a couple of people lined up and uh, it is, I have a bunch of projects I've been building and mentioning on the side lately. Uh, my, my, my side is music, but also photography. Mm. So that, that totally intrigues me. And uh, the one nice thing is just it keeps getting little less expensive and easier to get now it's not like quite this mm-hmm. whole thing of the pandemic mm-hmm. where you couldn't even get the components that you wanted <laughs> to try out so that's great so last thing i wanted to kind of throw out there is uh if somebody wanted to follow what you do online um what's a good way that people can follow it what you do online michael uh, I'm I'm a bit of a ghost online, actually. To be okay. honest, I'm on <laughs> I'm on some of the you know I'll be on like LinkedIn or whatever, and I'm, I've got I've got a GitHub account, but other than that, I mostly avoid social media. Sure. So it's gonna not really easy to follow. Okay, that's right. Okay, Madison. <laughs> um, as as an employee of Automatic, I'm contractually obligated to say that you should follow me on Tumblr.com. <laughs> okay. Uh, my, <laughs> my username in most places is uh, Aether Unbound. That's A E T H E R, the word unbound. Um, that's I'm on GitHub as that. I'm on Tumblr as that. Um, I'm on Mastodon as just at Aether. The domain is is too long, so I won't mention it. But you can find me. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll provide a link. <laughs> oh sure. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you pitch this here if you're interested in pi cascades and following what pi cascades is doing um we have a newsletter that you can subscribe to from our, our homepage pycascades.com okay great ben to add on to the pi cascades you can also follow us at pi cascades at fostodon.org on mastodon uh at pi cascades on twitter and at pi cascades on instagram okay i am trying to get myself off of Twitter. Uh, so you can, you can find me uh, at Bendy yeah. at uh, org. Okay, great. Well, I want to thank you all so much for coming on the show and talking to me about organizing and volunteering. It's been a fantastic talk. It's been awesome. Thank you, Christopher. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us.
Yeah, thanks. And don't forget, be more than just a developer. Enjoy the best of both worlds, a successful career and the ultimate work-life balance. Join Proxify. Visit career.proxify.io. I want to thank Ben Barry, Madison Swain Bowden, and Michael Vanderkamp for coming on the show this week. And I want to thank you for listening to the Real Python podcast. Make sure that you click that follow button in your podcast player. And if you see a subscribe button somewhere, remember that the Real Python podcast is free. If you like the show, please leave us a review. You can find show notes with links to all the topics we spoke about inside your podcast player or at realpython.com slash podcast. And while you're there, you can leave us a question or a topic idea. I've been your host, Christopher Bailey, and I look forward to talking to you soon.